Well, I just want to thank God uh, for a few people, but the church board, I just want to thank the church board this morning. Can we come out? There's a few of them. Julian, you can come as well. Uh, who else is there? Carl, where's Carl? Is he here this morning? And Sophie. Uh, these are wonderful people who do an incredible job at... Uh, Carl's disappeared, has he? He was upstairs, is upstairs. He's coming. This is the church board, and uh, we just really, really appreciate them for all the efforts. We've just uh, recently moved into an incorporation process, which, uh, praise God, we've been able to move and shift into that process. Joel is a new member of our church board, and uh, so it's wonderful to appreciate them all for all the hours that they put in. Uh, Hannah is the youngest one. She's not registered yet, uh, but uh, she's very helpful at different times at finishing off some of the food no. <laughs> in the board meetings. Really appreciate her. And I see Chris there. I saw Hector over there, uh, previous principal, Hector Costello, Chris Miles, previous uh, church uh, and or college chair, chairman. Appreciate Chris for over 20 years of service. Is there anyone else here? I saw Ezra Savika was here in the earlier service. Uh, people like Ezra would just appreciate in the early, early years, some of the folk in that church, that little church we're talking about, board members and alike, put in everything. They didn't go away on their holidays that year. They sold their houses. They put all their money in that they had just to be able to see what we sit in today come into fruition. And it's fantastic, isn't it? Sacrifice, really. But more than anything, obedience is better than sacrifice. They're obedient to God. And uh, Today, you know, able to sit in the thing. Ezra keeps telling me, when are we going to build more buildings and push out that back wall? And when are we going to do this? I said, hold on. <laughs> uh, we did all this stuff on our watch. It's your turn, you know. Okay, <laughs> no pressure. But let's give these wonderful people uh, a hand. Thank you again, church board. <laughs> to do that. Well, this morning I want to share, and then uh, Doug's coming up uh, for his uh, presentation straight after that. But I want to just share a few things this morning with us. I titled the message today, I Say and You Say. We're going to talk today about the DNA of the local church and unpack it a little bit more today, a word of encouragement. And uh, I believe God wants to really minister to all of us in a, in a special way and just encourage us. In Acts 2, it talks about the early start of the church. This month, as I said, we're doing a DNA series, and we want, didn't want to do the DNA series just about freshwater church. Acts 2 is where we're going. We want to do the DNA series all about the church of Jesus Christ right around the world and how it's progressed and where it's up to now and where it's actually going to over time. That's so important because we can get the local church then into perspective of what God's intention was for the local church and uh, not be confused or misunderstand what he had in mind. In Acts 2, it tells us pretty clearly in verse 37, I won't read the whole uh, chapter, but it, it says here in verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? The word cut to the heart actually means they were, some were pierced to their heart and challenged, others were impregnated. Others went out pregnant with vision. Isn't that wonderful to think about? And then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive a gift of the Holy Ghost. You know, whenever I talked to Norm, he was always so passionate that the college would be a spirit-filled college. 
He said, we just don't want a college like anything else. We want a spirit-filled college to see what God will actually do. We want the spirit of Christ to be dwelling in the center of the college. He was always very passionate about that. And if you knew Norm, he was very determined as well. Praise God for that. 39 says, For the promise is to you and to your children and to you who are far off as many as the Lord will call. Verse 40, and many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this crooked or perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized that day, and about 3,000 souls, about 3,000, were added to them. They continued then steadfastly. You know, the word steadfastly means with conviction. They had conviction about what they were part of. They had conviction about what they were actually going to do. And this was incredible when they actually did it because many, many times in the early church, the Romans, as we learned this morning, the Romans, you know, killed the Christians because of their conviction. They had such a deep conviction. You know, kill me, do what you want, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you can't take away the confidence that I have in God. That was some of their confessions. Continue steadfast in verse 42, the apostles doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and wonders and signs were done through the apostles. It's an incredible story when you read on and how they actually lived their lives. And the turning point is there in verse 38, isn't it? It says, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That was the turning point, I suppose, to the challenge. In Acts 4.31, it tells us again about the early church what it was like and how it lived. In 31, it tells us, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God with boldness. Isn't that wonderful? You know, the mark of the early church and the pressure of the persecution, their mark was what? <laughs> Very good, Pastor Josh. <laughs> their mark was what? Good. Their mark was boldness. They had a, a mark of the, on their life. It wasn't sense love. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. It was boldness. The early church was incredibly bold to face up to the persecution that they were actually suffering in the world uh, and from the world and from the Romans and so on and so forth. And, and I love that because the church can never be pushed down or shut down because it seems to emerge with boldness. It just pops up with a level of boldness and go, well, do what you like, but we're still going to serve God. It goes on in that chapter and it says that these are the people these are the people that are going to come amongst us that actually turned the world upside down. These are the type of people that did that. And what that means, it, it says they turned the world upside down. And actually in the right paraphrase means they turned the world the right way up. There are people that revealed this is no, 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 this is not acceptable. This is the way life should be lived. This is the way it should be done. There were those people who proclaimed that. And that's where I suppose my passion uh, for church life and for Christian life is that the Christian life is so potent and so real that it's so contagious to other people. That we're not just, as I said earlier, making disciples, we're making disciples who make disciples. So when a, a teenager, if it's a school sense, when a teenager leaves school or leaves a Christian school, they don't actually leave God. Because it's so potent in them. It's so real in them. The, the life of God can't be squashed around them. And so I see the DNA of the church as being boldness and, and strong. We just want to take a little look at that today because I believe the local church is God's greatest invention. So I'll start off today just mentioning what the church isn't. It's not a gathering of people with a loose affiliation who roughly have the same religious beliefs, no matter what those beliefs might be. The church isn't a hospital. 
It's not a religious club. It's not a building. It's not a group of perfect people who say everything and do everything perfectly all the time. What is the church then? It's a people who are committed to God and can be committed to each other. Following the first church blueprint, it's set by God to have a great awareness. They can't do much at all, but God can if, he lets, if they let him do it through them. There's a great awareness of that. They can't actually do this, but God, if I let you do it through me, perhaps you'll do it through me in a very powerful way. And I want to lead to that today. I can, maybe he can. There are bold people, not a rude people, but boldness was their mark. The church is a people who can lead by prophetic insight to God's will on, on earth, who can see God's kingdom come and his will being done. The church is a place where disciples can be made, can be made and understand that they can then go out and make disciples. I love freshwater in the church here because, I, as I said, I love the people who come to make an atmosphere for us to be able to receive from God, even in a service like today. It's just fantastic. And afterwards, if you'd like to stay for lunch, we always have a big roast lunch prepared. Uh, roast beef today, so we always have a big roast beef. We serve, uh, I don't know, nearly a couple hundred meals every Sunday just to be able to, I believe, have people fellowshipping together, eating together. So it's not a kiss and run. We believe in the passion of, of being able to be together. And today, you know, as we employ teachers and staff who I trust have a healthy history with the local church, past, present, and future. To be able to be people who live with a holy boldness that will not be intimidated. To be able to impart that. Paul said, I don't come just to preach the gospel to you, just to talk to you about the ABCs, essentially. He said, I come to impart my own life to you. That was the church. I trust it's the church today. I trust that the church that's, that we're talking about that's alive on planet Earth today is not just a gathering of people but a move of God that's happening inside the people that can be able to see the purpose of the church who are filled with the Holy Ghost and can start to see there's a, there's a refreshing on us. There's something purposeful on us to be able to see something happen. I know that being able to uh, love people and love students and love what God is actually doing, I'm amazed how the love of God will grow your faith. The love of God in your life will grow your faith. When you love what God loves, you'll see your faith grow. Be able to realize that every person is valuable. Valuable to God. So if they're valuable to God and I'm a believer with God, then they're valuable to me. Every person being valuable is important to us. And so we're going to see these things start to happen. Then faith is important. I'm going to need to be a faith person. Natural faith is, you know, when I see it, I'll believe it. Supernatural faith, God type of faith is, when I believe it, I'll see it. So being able to confess these things and believe these things needs to be our mark because that's the mark, can I say, of boldness. The testimonies that have come through often time and time again where people go, look, I didn't feel anything, but I prayed for so-and-so, and they actually got healed. 
The testimonies we hear in our church is incredible. Week after week after week of cancers being healed and sickness and things like that. It's one of our goals, one of our miracle, one of our our passions in our fourfold passion process in the life of the church is to see miracles happen. And week after week, I'm here seeing and hearing many, many people come to me and say, "Someone's just someone, this other person was meant to have an operation. They went to the doctor and they don't even need to operate now because there's nothing wrong with them." It's wonderful to hear those testimonies that come back, and then people come up to me with a, a fresh boost of cancer or something like that. And I say to people, you need to go and talk to so-and-so about what actually happened because they just got healed of that. You know what a testimony is? And that's why testimonies are powerful. If God can do it once, he can do it again. If God can do it once, he can do it again. It's the mindset of the people, the heart of faith for the people actually have to say, I don't see it, but I'm going to start believing it. So I will actually start to see it. And he says, I can see healings. We can see healings, but you know, I can't heal anybody, and neither can you. But he says we can. He says we can do all things through him, but I don't know when it comes to my doubt and unbelief. Sometimes those things are just too hard to be able to even imagine that God can do. But when I get close to the Lord, I realize something, that out of my friendship and relationship with Him, that all things are possible. And all He's doing is touching on my inadequacies. He's touching on my challenges. He's touching on my doubt and my unbelief. I need to be able to say, God, out of the friendship we have, I have with you, help me understand when I say I can't, you say I can. And the difference often in the tension that we have as believers to see incredible things happen and move on from here and all God's called us to do is the difference between the belief that God is using little old us to do amazing things. He wants us to play a part and we must play a part. We must know our part and we must know his part. But sometimes that's a tension that we live with, isn't it? God, I know you can but I need you to get your can into my can <laughs> so I can actually get that. God, I know you can heal people, but I've prayed for thousands of people and they hadn't got healed. But I've prayed for a lot of people and they have got healed. So God, how do I, what do I need to do to get over onto that? Because your word says, if I lay hands on the sick, they all will recover. God, how could I do that? When I feel inadequate, Yet you're saying, don't back off, keep going. How does that work? When I feel so unworthy, God, and yet you're saying, don't change course, keep going. When I don't feel, I feel I've got very little faith, and God has got great faith and says, keep going. How do, how do I deal with that? Is it a tension that I live with? How do, how do I deal with that? And so there's a valley sometimes between what he says we can do and what we can actually think we can ever imagine doing, and that's the bridge we need to cross. Sometimes it's just lies that stop us. Other times it's really stretching our faith. But I realized something. As I love God, it grows my faith. As I let God love me, it grows my faith. So I let him minister to me, it grows my faith into those areas. And that's the passion I have, because I realize that God's goal in my life is to bring me to maturity. God's goal in my life is to bring me to maturity, and I'm not there yet. 
I'm on that journey of faith to be able to grow. But I'm not going to keep growing if I just stop and say, I can't do anything. God, you can do everything. Somehow I've got to cross the bridge. You with me today? Cross that bridge and say, God, I've got to know my part in this. I want to know your part. Because your word says that I'm a co-worker with you, God. But now I'm not, I'm not an unworthy co-worker because my sin has been blotted out. But at the same time, it's my faith that has to come alive to have the faith of God to see what God wants to do come to pass. That's the challenge. That is the challenge. Some of the projects and the buildings, the musicians come, and I want them to just share with you a song that I feel is appropriate for the moment. Many times as the opportunities for building buildings come, it's the pressure of saying, okay, can we stand in another million or two million dollars of buildings? And yet the reality is it's all of us somehow paying for those, having agreement about those as the church, as the college, to be able to say, God, we're going to have to believe you, but I feel very inadequate. I feel out of my depth, God. And God doesn't seem to mind me feeling out of my depth. Because he says it's faith. It's a step of faith that you need to make. I believe today there's a whole lot of people here as Lord put this message on my heart, that this is very real for, whether it's real for your marriage, your personal lives, your business life, the realization that I can't, but God can, but how do I cross the bridge? It's out of my relationship with God, my love for Him and His love for me. But my love for Him will grow my faith. There's a beautiful song that Julie uh, is going to sing with you, that I trust if you mean to close your eyes just for a moment, let it minister to you, to encourage you, to heal you, to see that state sometimes where I go, God, I don't know how, this, I don't know how I'm going to ever do this, but I know you want it to happen. Let it minister to you.
Say I. 